It appears I missed a lot while out of town the last week. Neyland Entertainment District, what's that? A new football commitment that 08 reclassifies, and it's time for postseason baseball. Playing catch-up and giving you my thoughts on a whole lot that happened over the last few days. This is Monday's Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it. This is your Monday edition of Locked On Vols. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys, as always, for making Locked On Vols your first listen each and every day. Shout out, everydayers. Appreciate you guys uh, for being a part of the program here today. What's an everydayer? We'll come back tomorrow and you will find out. Happy to be back here. So I, I, I pre produced, pre recorded, pre did a bunch of those shows last week and uh, got, got some content up there every single day. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed some of the conversations and. A big thanks to all the guests who joined me to uh, make that uh, load uh, a little less um, a little less troublesome for me when I was doing it a couple of weeks ago. But um, I have not been in front of a microphone, in front of a camera, and, and talking to you guys um, what feels like forever. And so I'm happy to be back. Appreciate you guys for hanging out with me and uh, making this show uh, what it is. Please subscribe, Locked on Balls, on the YouTube channel. You know where to find it, wherever you get your audio listens, all that good stuff. I'm going to play catch up here on a Monday, right? Um, a whole lot happened last week that I couldn't react to Obviously, in real time. You guys know the drill. You everydayers, when I go out of town, I pre, pre-record. And so I like to play catch-up the first day or two and just kind of get my thoughts on on some of the things that were in the news while I was out. Um, and uh, so that's what we're going to do today. Tennessee football picked up a 2023 commit and signee in Emmanuel Okoye. Uh, who is he? Why did he reclassify? What's going on there in segment one? Segment two, the Neyland Entertainment District. Just a thought right now. Just some plans a little bit, but nothing formal. What could that look like? And, and I mean, this could be the first of its class in the college realm. Think the Battery Atlanta. That, that's that's really interesting when you think about it. And, of course, that was um, you know discussed with the, uh, with the R, RPI uh, that went in, um, or the RP request for information. That would be an RFI when the RFI went in last week. So we're going to go over that a little bit. And where does the Tennessee baseball stand now? The regular season's over. SEC tournament is on the horizon. Chances for hosting a regional. All that good stuff here on your Monday Locked On Ball. So Emmanuel Okoye, who is this guy? Well, for starters, he is a 2023 signee now for the University of Tennessee. Don't forget Twitter Tuesday coming up tomorrow. Any questions you guys have? That just came to the top of my head. I want to remind you guys, any questions you have, Tennessee football, recruiting, basketball, uh, baseball, of course, uh, you know, questions for me. If you guys want to know anything, uh, we'll spend the time on tomorrow's show answering those questions. Uh, Emmanuel Okoye. So he's six foot five, 240 pounds. He is a 2024 prospect who is reclassified into the 2023 class. He plays all over the place. He plays a little defensive end, plays a little edge, plays a little linebacker, plays tight end. He is from Nigeria, who went to the NFL Academy in London this past year, and that's kind of where he's been and now making the you know, the, the skip across the pond and will come play stateside to Tennessee. He committed to the University of Tennessee on, I believe it was Friday of last week, maybe Thursday, can't remember. It's been a couple of days. And um, he went ahead and signed, of course, because reclassifying in the class of 2023. So what that means is Emmanuel Koye um, now links up with the University of Tennessee. He officially becomes the 
what is it, the 26th member of that signing class. And Tennessee, for a brief moment, jumped inside the top 10 of the 2023 industry rankings over at on3.com. He will be here in June. He will be here ready to go through workouts. He will be a part of the football team this fall. Can't envision him having a big-time role out of the gate, but uh, the fact that you're here, um, it's like Freddie DeLoyne, right? Um, everybody wanted him to play, and, and sure, I think he could have made a little bit of an impact and everything, but he was so far behind being a mid-year, tra- being a mid-year enrollee last year But the fact that he was here, he was practicing, he was in a collegiate strength and conditioning program, he was going through practices, playing scout team, learning the culture, learning the system, that is going to make him a day one ready-to-go player next year for Tennessee basketball, speaking on Freddie DeLoyne. Um, Emmanuel Okoye getting here, and it's pretty much going to be a redshirt year, I would assume. Of course, we all know what assuming does to us sometimes, but I would assume he would be a redshirt player and or a very small minor role of a special teams type player. I don't think he's going to make an impact at tight end. That's the other thing. What position is he going to play when he gets here? Um, I believe he's going to be a tight end here at Tennessee. Now, I don't believe that door is completely shut, but I think his best chance of helping Tennessee and seeing the field and, and, and kind of reaching his potential would be at the tight end position. And Alec Ablin was instrumental in getting him to commit and ultimately sign with the University of Tennessee. So I think Tight end is his future here at Tennessee. Beginning him in here on workouts in June, going through all that type of stuff, learning the culture, strength and conditioning program, all that good stuff. Um, and that, that's going to be really, really good for him. So a little bit of a backstory on Emmanuel Okoye, right? So I've mentioned he's 2024 prospect, reclassified to 2023. He's coming to Tennessee by way of the NFL Academy in London, where he uh, transferred there this past fall. He came to Tennessee for an official visit for the Orange and White game. And that's kind of where he fell in love with Tennessee. He saw 60,000-plus screaming fans for a spring football game and thought, like, hey, hey, that's that's pretty cool, right? I mean, could you imagine this on an actual you know, Saturday in the fall? And so that was when his official visit came, got to know Al Gablin, got to know Josh Heupel, got to know the Tennessee brand and the Tennessee culture very well. And that's when he pretty much fell in love with the University of Tennessee. Uh, he chose Tennessee over the likes of USC, who was battling for him down the stretch. Texas Tech was also in that conversation, but he picked up a lot of offers from Georgia and some other teams and high-relevant uh, Power 5 programs as well. But it was USC that Tennessee beat out, and then Texas Tech came in third. He is originally from Nigeria. He's from Nigeria. He participated in the NFL Africa camp, and that's where former New York Giant O.C. Umanora I believe that's how you say his name, but I remember him playing. He was really, really good. Really, really good. Um, it was him on one side and Jason Pierre-Paul on the other side for the New York Giants, right? And um, it was it was where he spotted him and his Upside Academy scouted uh, Emmanuel Okoye and found him. And then ultimately, you know, his, his road led him to the NFL Academy in London. So a really interesting backstory. Really interesting backstory. Six foot five, 240 pounds, 235, 240 pounds. Um... And um, he's a guy that's, you know, really, really enjoys Tennessee. And that's ultimately why he kind of pulled the trigger. Former NFL wide receiver Chris Durham, who is now the head football coach at or head of football at the NFL Academy, uh, discussed with VolQuest what he's seen from Okoye during his time in London. Quote, Emmanuel, this is over at VolQuest.com from Matt Ray's Impact Analysis. Uh, Emmanuel has a pretty unique story as he is just a helmet on. As he just put a helmet on for the first time in September. That's another thing, right? Uh, brand new to the game, super raw, tremendous upside. But he put a helmet on for the first time in September. 
Um, his ceiling is extremely high. He has come in and worked really hard. He has done everything you could possibly ask out of a kid. He left Nigeria to come to the academy. He has already taken a massive step forward in um, in con continents, and he is now going to do it all over again in less than a year. Uh, he is just a very polished and mature young man. The sky is the limit for him. He continues to uh, go on about Emmanuel Koye and, and you know, tight end, coming off the edge, his position, whatever the case may be. He says, the measurables are off the charts. Anything you are looking for, he has that from an athletic standpoint. Where he's going to need to catch up is just playing and getting the knowledge of the game to get more familiar with it. I would never box him into a position or what you think he can do because he's always going to exceed that just off sheer work ethic and being the type of kid that he is. For me, I have been around the game a long time, and I've seen a lot of talented people up close and personal. And for me, he is going to be one of those guys that shocks a lot of people as he learns the game and continues to learn how to use his body. He is going to make a massive impact. In quote, again, that is former NFL wide receiver and the head of football at the NFL Academy, Chris Durham. That's some pretty high praise there from Tennessee's Emmanuel Koye. So um, this should be exciting. Tremendous athlete, super raw, brand new to the game of football, uh, but fell in love with it and fell in love with Tennessee. And reclassifying now is going to be on campus in June, going through workouts, and uh, we'll see what he you know turns into over the next couple of years. I think this. I think the uh, the sky's the limit for him. But that ties a bow now on the class of 2023 as we're. You know, talking recruiting a lot here on Locked On Vols for the class of 2024. Uh, you don't see a lot of reclassifications, but sometimes they're there, and this is the case. And Tennessee picked up another one to add to that class of 2023 in Emmanuel Okoye. Uh, we'll see what happens. So, uh, interesting story, and I can't wait to see what he looks like here on campus. And, of course, we'll continue to follow that story uh, right here on Locked On Vols. Hey, when we come back, I want to take a, I want to take a, segment, a segment and discuss – the Neyland Entertainment District. What is that? Okay. And how cool would it be to kind of be a first of its class uh, type situation in the college game? And how cool would it be to, you know, be right here in Knoxville, Tennessee? Just incredible, if you ask me. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Vols. But first, guys, I want to remind you about our friends over at Built Bar. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need to try the best tasting protein bar ever. That is Built Bar. If you're like me, you want to make healthier snack choices but don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. That's Built Bars and Built Puffs. Healthy, they taste amazing. Seriously, they're so tasty, and I'm not really sure how they do it. Uh, what makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, real dark chocolates. It's pretty incredible. They've got unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and you guys know my favorite, that is cookies and cream. I'm not sure how they do it, but all these these you know Built Bars, they taste like candy bars, but they're good for you. How? Well, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. 17 grams of protein. Can you believe that? Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar. And um, now you don't have to wait around for your box to be uh, delivered to you from Built.com. You still can. That's where you can get specialty flavors. That's Built.com. But you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and buy them off the rack today. Four-bar box at Walmart, a 13-bar box, uh, box at Sam's Club. That is service and service just for you. Go try them out today. Built Bar at Built.com, your local Sam's Club or Walmart. Built. Taste amazing, good for you. All right, guys, welcome back in there to your Monday edition of Locked On Balls. I'm your host, Eric Kane. I'm glad to be back here 
and podcasting with you again here today. Don't forget Twitter Tuesday, mailbag edition of the show. That is coming up tomorrow. Any questions you guys may have on Tennessee football, recruiting, basketball, baseball, if you guys have any questions for me, you guys know where to find me. That's at underscore Kaner and at Lockdown Vol. Shout out every day. I appreciate you guys sending in your questions each and every week. All right, so I'm still trying to understand this. I'm still trying to wrap my my mind around this a little bit, and I'm sure you guys have been reading up on it and talking about it a little bit whenever the news kind of got out there uh, last week. But Tennessee has put in a request for information, an RFI, for a Neyland Entertainment District. All right, what is that? Well, um, it is essentially Tennessee is exploring a public-private partnership aimed at the development of a first-in-class entertainment district spanning the Tennessee River waterfront near historic Neyland Stadium. Yes, I'm reading straight from the release right now because I didn't want to uh, kind of mess anything up. The idea, essentially, is it's going to be aesthetics, right? It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be more businesses, more shops, you know, hotels, stuff like that. Anchored and planned by a hotel adjacent from the stadium south end zone, the mixed-use Neyland Stadium, Neyland Entertainment District could uniquely enhance the Tennessee football game day experience while also transforming the campus riverfront and supplementing Knoxville's array of gathering centers with yet another attractive leisure and entertainment hub. All right, so I'm going to just kind of get through this and we'll kind of talk about it. Uh, the initial concept for the project, which would improve the uh, aesthetics of Neyland Stadium's exterior, uh, strengthen the campus's connection with the Tennessee River, would include a boutique, a full-service hotel with for-sale condominiums with conference-slash-event space. The vision also features the potential for development of tabletop above the existing G10 parking garage to support additional tailgating, restaurants, uh, retail, and family-friendly entertainment activities. So Tennessee... Uh, put in a formal request for information, an RFI, and that's going to be used to gauge the input and interest interest from developers. Okay, so very, very beginning stages, right? I mean, we haven't even talked funding yet. We haven't even talked plans. We haven't even talked shovel in the dirt. Um, this is just gathering information, gathering interest, interest, I don't know why I can't say that word today, from potential developers who would come in and do this. So, um, it's very early. This does not mean that it's going to happen, but it's, it's very interesting. So like I said in, in segment number one, think the Battery Atlanta, right? So you've got Truist Park, and it's so interesting. I feel so old now, but you know I've got family. I've got friends. I had many, many, many reasons to travel to Atlanta just about every weekend uh, back when uh, the Atlanta Braves were going from uh, Turner Field to SunTrust Park a couple of years ago. And so I would make that drive. I make that drive down 275 and everything, and I'd get to that intersection, right, where the interstates kind of, you know, cross. And I would see the development. I would see them build the field. And the next time I go, I would see them, you know, build a little bit more around it. And then, like, I would see the stadium was done, and then they were, they were kind of building a little town around it. And of course, I've made many, many trips to Truist Park since, and I've, you know, gone to many, many games. I've gone to the Battery Atlanta. I've gone and you know those shops in there and, and the bars in there and the restaurants in there, and I'll park there and everything. It's just really, really cool, right? If you've never been to the Battery Atlanta, it's pretty interesting. Um, this, is, this isn't going to be exactly that, or I don't think the plan is, but it's going to be something like that. Essentially, the, the main attraction is the football stadium, right, for football game. But again, you'll have shops, you'll have restaurants, you'll have bars, you'll have you know a tabletop where you can tailgate and all that type of stuff. You'll have a boutique, you'll have a hotel. And don't forget, there's already plans to have a pedestrian walkway around that area, over the Tennessee River. So over the next five to 10 years, potentially that waterfront right there on Neyland Drive 
um, and beyond the south end zone of Neyland Stadium, boy, it could be you know getting a major facelift. It could be getting um, just really, really cool stuff. It, it, and right, I mean, the release says it's going to add already to another another venue, another destination point in Knoxville, in Knox County, and it would, too, strengthen the relationship with the Tennessee River that sits right there beyond the south end zone of Neyland Stadium. I think this is incredible. I think this is so cool. And a lot of you guys may be thinking, well, you know, Tennessee only plays a couple of home games every single year. Um, you know, yada, yada, yada. True. But the Battery Atlanta is open 24, not 7, but it's open 365 days a year. Uh, this would be the same case as well, as I'm trying to put my phone back on its little little padded charger. I don't know if you guys, any of you guys have these little charging pads where you put your phone on there, but mine, it takes me like four times to get the right you know, placement for it to charge. Anyway, it's on there. Uh, but this, uh, but the Battery Atlanta is open 365. You go there to eat. You go there to drink. You go there to hang out. You go there to shop. And that's what this would be a little bit right there. You could come in and stay at that hotel whenever you want. So sure, it's built around Neyland Stadium, but also it's going to be a business that will bring money, bring dollars, um, you know, create some jobs, all that type of stuff right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I think this is awesome. Um, this would be the first in its class, meaning there is no other university, there is no other place in college athletics in the United States of America that has ever done something like this. Doesn't mean they won't. They could very well, if Tennessee does this the next five, ten years, whenever it's built, they could take the blueprints and take the idea and go do it themselves as well. But it's got to be unique, right? Not every college town can make this work. Knoxville 100% could because Knoxville has over 500,000 people, you know, residents in the county and the surrounding areas, right? Knoxville, outside of Nashville, is the biggest SEC market in the conference. <coughs> Excuse me. So I'm getting jacked up. I'm getting a little jazzed up just thinking about this, right? Um, it's going to be really, really cool if, if this goes into it, if this goes into play. So uh, what we know right now, and F, you know, an RFI, a formal, a formal request for information, uh, RFI, formal request for information, has been issued right now to gauge interest from potential developers. Uh, what do they say? Could this be accommodating? How much money would this cost? That's a big thing. How much money is this going to cost? And then Tennessee would have to have a plan to come up with a dollar amount, all that type of stuff. But, I mean, could you imagine? Just think about this, guys. Picture this. I'm 30 years old, right? I'm married. Um, gosh, I hope to have some kids one day, right? Um, but could you just imagine, you know, 10 to 15 years down the line, you go to a game. Well, we'll call it the third Saturday in October. It's in Neyland Stadium. You go, you watch Tennessee and Alabama play. You come from out of town, and when the game's over, you go stay at that hotel, and you spend the night, you wake up the next morning, you get brunch, you know, whatever, you get lunch, you go shopping, whatever, have a day of it with the family. I mean, that that's kind of what you're envisioning here. Or you come into town even before that, and you go tailgate on top of that G10 parking lot where those tabletops potentially could be. Uh, just enhancing the game day atmosphere, but also it's a business model that will sustain in Knoxville, and it, it it's right there on campus, right there at Neyland Stadium. Um, I, I just think this is awesome. So a uh, very beginning stages, as you can tell, I'm jacked up about it. I think it's a great idea. Um, easier said than done. Very beginning stages. How much money is it going to cost? How are they going to get that money? All that type of stuff. But as Brent Hub said last week at VolQuest.com, there's potential for a whole lot of cranes on campus over the next five to 10 years with the pedestrian walk bridge, with potentially this, all that type of stuff. There's going to be a whole lot of construction over at Neyland Stadium and over on campus. But hey, when it's all said and done, what this could be, what this could look like, 
it could be awesome. So uh, interesting, interesting stuff that came out last week. I want to give my two cents on it, and um, you know, we'll see exactly what kind of comes of this. All right, when we come back, Tennessee baseball. It is now heading to Hoover, Alabama, for the SEC tournament. Uh, what seed is Tennessee entering the tournament? Who will it play? What the what does that bracket look like? What about hosting a regional? All that and more. It's coming up next right here on Locked On Balls. But hey, uh, make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs, okay? Uh, because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. All right, NBA playoffs are going on right now. There are great promotions every single day over at FanDuel Sportsbook on the safe and secure, easy-to-use app. You can get total, you can get spreads, you can get series futures, you know, all that type of stuff, not just on the NBA playoffs, but on Major League Baseball, college football futures, all that type of stuff. Totals, we talked about this on the show last week, you know, Tennessee's total according to FanDuel Sportsbook. You can get all that over on a safe, secure, easy-to-use app, and you get paid instantly. When your bet cashes in, you don't have to wait a week or a month or anything like that. You get paid instantly all at FanDuel on the Sportsbook app. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than over on America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Just a couple of minutes left here on this Monday edition of Locked On Vols. See, a lot of you guys get me sometimes. A lot of you guys say that I say Vols weird. That time I did say Vols weird. I said Vols. Um, it's just because I was talking fast. Locked on Vols, not locked on Vols, not Vols. Locked on Vols. There we go. Um, when you do it every single day, when you've grown up in East Tennessee, sometimes you just talk really, really fast. And hey, you guys know that. Uh, that is me. Twitter Tuesday coming up tomorrow. Any questions, comments, concerns? You guys know the drill. Get them in at underscore Kaner and Locked On Vols. Appreciate you guys being making Locked On Vols your first listen. Shout out every dayers. Uh, Tennessee baseball. Really interesting story here. Um, so Tennessee wrapped up the regular season yesterday, uh, Saturday. And again, we don't talk a lot of a lot of baseball on this podcast because, quite frankly, it just doesn't move the needle. Uh, but it is postseason time, and Tennessee baseball has done a tremendous job closing the season the right way. Tennessee took two games out of three at South Carolina over the weekend. It was supposed to play on Thursday, got pushed to Friday. They were supposed to do a doubleheader on Friday, but because there was so much rain and so much sitting water in that outfield, they could only play one game on Friday, then had to play a doubleheader on Saturday. So ultimately, Tennessee did get all three games in, and for the first time all season long, Tennessee won a series on the road. Kind of hard to believe, right? Um, technically, it wasn't a series at Arizona, but Tennessee dropped two or three games played out in the desert. Tennessee was swept at Missouri. Tennessee dropped two or three at LSU. Tennessee was swept at Arkansas. Tennessee dropped two of three at Georgia. And Tennessee took two of three at South Carolina in the regular season. I think that's all the, uh, I think that's all the away trips for Tennessee. But nonetheless, um, you know, better late than never. But while Tennessee was doing all that, it was winning games at home. And while Tennessee was doing all that, the season turned around at the Vanderbilt uh, series game one. Entering game one for Vanderbilt a couple about a month and a half ago, Tennessee was sitting at a five and ten record in conference play. Uh, to, to simplify this conversation, if you want to be a lock for postseason, you've got to get to 15 conference wins. 14 could probably get you in, but if you want to be an absolute lock for a regional, you got to secure 15 wins in the SEC. And Tennessee was at 5-10 and 10 halfway through the SEC slate. Tennessee turned on the Jets. That game won against Vanderbilt a while ago, down by two runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. Kovaris Tears leads off that inning with a home run. 
couple outs later, to, uh, Dylan Drowling comes up, ties the ball game with a solo home run. They go to extras. Griffin Barrett walks it off with a home run in the 12th inning. And then Tennessee went on at just a tear from there. Uh, Tennessee swept Vanderbilt that weekend, swept Mississippi State the following weekend, took two or three at Kentucky uh, last weekend at home. Uh, took two or three on the road in South Carolina this past weekend. The only series loss Tennessee suffered during that stretch was at Georgia uh, in Athens a couple weekends ago where it dropped one game to two. But coming into that stretch, Tennessee was just a brutal, suffering three straight losses to LSU, at LSU, to Florida at home, and at Arkansas. Uh, but really that Vanderbilt game kind of kind of turned the tide, if you will. So Tennessee this past weekend finished it off, winning two of three, won 5-0, um, on Friday night, and Andrew Lindsay was spectacular. Dropped a 6-1 decision in Game 1 on Saturday when Chase Dolander, 100% in his words, had his best stuff of the season. A tied a career high of 13 strikeouts. He was incredible. P- probably got removed from that game a little too early, for sure. Um, it's easy to sit here in hindsight and, and, and coach from the from the luxury of your, of your office here, but he got removed from that game a little too early. Unfortunately, Chase Burns came in and the wheels fell off, and Tennessee dropped that game. But... 45 minutes later, knowing what was at stake, Tennessee responded the right way, came out and just thrashed South Carolina, right? And it just pummeled them. You know, 12 to 1, I believe, was the final score. Uh, Christian Scott drove in four runs, had a three run home run. Griffin Merritt had a home run. Um, and, and, and in that game, Drew Beam bounced back. And he had, to be completely blunt, he had been awful in three of his last five starts. Not just losing games, but just kind of getting beat up a little bit. But he responded the right way. And so that was great to see. I mean, a lot of good vibes ex- exiting Tennessee's you know regular season. And so Tennessee ended the season. Um, let's see here. Tennessee ended the season with a 38 and 18 overall record, 16 and 14 in Southeastern Conference play, and is now going to be the seventh seed in the SEC tournament. And the SEC tournament will begin play tomorrow. I'm going to be on the road. I'm going to be in Hoover, Alabama, all weekend long. I'm going to take my you know my 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 road kit with me, and it's it's not great. I hate broadcasting from the road because um, the technology doesn't you know look as good but nonetheless uh, that's what's going to happen going to be on the road I'll be in Hoover this week Tennessee is going to get going as a seventh seed against a 10th seeded Texas A&M Aggie Club that's coming up tomorrow afternoon 1 30 eastern time approximately so give or take some minutes uh, we know how tournament uh, baseball goes luckily though Tennessee plays the early game the majority of these days when they're playing so a lot of times it won't be pushed back. So anyway, uh, Tennessee, Texas A&M, 7 versus 10. That's coming up tomorrow. That's going to be a single elimination game. So if Tennessee wins that game, it advances on. It'll play Wednesday, and it'll play number two, Arkansas. Um, and from there, you're in a double elimination bracket. So that's good to see. Win tomorrow, stay alive. Then you go into the double elimination stage of the season or of the tournament. You continue on winning. If you run the table, you will play in the SEC Tournament Championship on Sunday afternoon. And remember, Tennessee won that tournament along with the regular season last year. And, um, you know, it it, it takes a lot to to kind of run that table. Specifically, it takes a lot because you, you need pitching. Um, and at this time of the year, you want to you want to line up everybody, get everybody ready to roll because regionals will either be that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so you want to line everybody up and, and try to get ready to go. Sure, it'd be great to win the SEC tournament. You always want to win the SEC tournament for Tennessee. If you secure two more wins, you're, in my opinion, 100% hosting a regional. Maybe Tennessee already can if they go 0 and 2. Um, maybe if Tennessee wins one game and still hosting a regional, a lot of that has to do with, 
Um, you know, Matthew uh, messaged me the other day, and I hadn't had a chance to mention him back at the time of this recording, but that's kind of how you answer that. A lot of this has to do with what happens elsewhere, right? I mean, there are, you know, Alabama, Kentucky, uh, a bunch of other SEC teams are also playing for the right to host a regional. South Carolina is as well. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. So, you know, Tennessee might already have enough, but also it could, it could you know, depending on what's happened in the ACC, what's happening elsewhere in college baseball, how many teams are they going to allow hosting from the SEC? A lot goes into play here, um, but Tennessee does have 16 wins, which firmly puts them in the conversation to host a regional. But I think if you win a game or two at Hoover, man, that really, really helps your cases out. So there's still a lot to play for is what I'm trying to get at. However, you want to be healthy. You want to have your pitchers lined up and all that type of stuff. The great thing about uh, at South Carolina, though, the weather just threw a wrench in all this because Tennessee had to play on Friday and then two games on Saturday. Tennessee's starting pitching was so good this past weekend with Andrew Lindsay, Chase Dolander, and Drew Beam. Tennessee only had to use, I believe, one, two. Tennessee only had to use three relievers the entire weekend. Um, now, Andrew Lindsay, Chase Dolander, Drew Beam, none of those guys can pitch on Tuesday because, again, you've got to get some rest. Those guys could probably come back and pitch on a day short of rest than what they normally would. And so if you make it to Thursday, and obviously you'd, you'd be ready to go, maybe even Wednesday. But Tennessee has a fresh Camden Sewell. Tennessee has a fresh Seth Halverson. Uh, Chase Burns did pitch, and he got beat up a little bit, so he's not as fresh, but he didn't pitch much. Tennessee has a fresh A.J. Russell who came on and pitched the, the seventh inning of uh, of, of uh, Saturday's Game 2 of the doubleheader, so he's relatively fresh. Xander Seacrest can help out a little bit. Um, you know, Tennessee got a lot of options, so expect straight bullpen on Tuesday, and then just it's kind of one of those things. You win, you figure it out. I can't give you a starting rotation. I can't give you a projection because it's win, figure it out. You might need to use all those horses in Tuesday just to win, and then you have to reevaluate Tuesday night and say, all right, who am I going to throw tomorrow? What kind of what's the plan? That is tournament baseball this time of the year. So anyway, Tennessee's going to be the seventh seed, take on the 10th seed at Texas A&M. You look at the rest of the brackets, Florida claimed the top seed in the SEC tournament, and the number two seed at Arkansas, three LSU, and four Vanderbilt. They all have first-round buys, meaning they don't have to play until Wednesday. The rest of the Tuesday sing single elimination slate consists of number six-seeded South Carolina against 11th-seeded Georgia, eighth-seeded Kentucky, ninth-seeded Alabama, and fifth-seeded Auburn and 12th-seeded Missouri. Auburn's another team that's playing for the right uh, to host a regional. So anyway, going into last weekend, Tennessee was projected, and there'll be another projections model at some point this week. Tennessee was projected as a number two seed in the Morgantown a West Virginia Regional with West Virginia, Notre Dame, and Ryder. That's according to D1 Baseball. Um, a series win certainly helped their cases this past weekend. A couple more games would help them to host, potentially. Uh, Tennessee now is at number 16 in the latest RPI in the country. So Tennessee has done a really, really nice job. There's one more stat I want to read before we kind of call it quits here. I know I'm throwing a lot at you right now. But uh, just, just going to show you how good Tennessee was to close the season. Let's see here. How Tennessee was so good to close. I can't find it. Can't find it. Anyway, Tennessee won. Uh, maybe I can do this by memory. Can't find the stat. Apologize. But nonetheless, Tennessee was struggling so much midway through the season, right? And then that Vanderbilt game kind of changed everything. Tennessee went on to win 11 of their last, I want to say, no, 15 of their last 19 games of the season, 11 of their final 15 SEC games. 
Tennessee closed so strong. It's pretty incredible to see the job that Tony Vitello and his staff has done this year. Even though they're frustrating, I get it. It's still pretty incredible. But Tennessee baseball will set its uh, SEC tournament uh, defense. It'll be going Tuesday. It'll be the second game on Tuesday, so somewhere around 1.30 Eastern time. And I'll be down there. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Kaner uh, for live coverage throughout the game. All right, that'll do it here for this edition of Locked On Ball is your Monday edition. Appreciate you guys for hanging out, making this what it is every single day. Shout out every dayers. Appreciate you guys making a Locked On Ball as your first listen. If you're not an everyday or show up tomorrow, you'll find out. Subscribe to Locked On Balls on the YouTube channel and wherever you get your listening podcasts, Odyssey app, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Can't thank you enough for making this show what it is. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be back in front of a microphone. We'll do it again all week long. This is Locked On Balls.